just when you thought it was safe to strand the old family in the Nevada desert, this is Binge Movies from the Horror Section. I'm Jason, the last manager of the last video store in the universe. My courteous and efficient assistant managers and elite patrons have selected around 100 horror movies they'd like me to review. And so tonight's film comes to us from the H's. In the back of the 1981 Harmony Vision beta box says this. See why the networks couldn't let you see it all. Explosive drama of a savage battle for survival and vengeance. Faced by a vacationing family who, while driving cross-country on their way to sunny California, becomes lost and stranded deep within an abandoned Air Force testing range, period. Silence of the desert erupts into an unleashed fury, and the family is brutally attacked by a terrifying band of modern savages and forced to engage in a fight for their lives, period. The tight-fisted action never wavers as the tension mounts to a no-holds-barred conclusion. Original beta price? $59.95. Current 4K price $39.97. What began as a vacation ended as a nightmare. <laughs> the hills have eyes. That was a bad mistake. <laughs> the hills have eyes. The story of an American family who lost everything except the will to survive. The hills have eyes. Inspired in part by Hansel and Gretel, Francois Truffaut, and Toby Hooper's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a young Cleveland native called Wes Craven wrote The Hills Have Eyes as his second feature film. Craven had found success with his debut exploitation revenge film, The Last House on the Left, and the producer of that film, Peter Locke, wanted him to follow that movie with another film of the same ilk. Craven was initially resistant to directing another exploitation horror movie, but decided since it was the only movie he was able to secure funding for, he might as well go ahead and do it. The film revolves around a multi-generational Ohio family that runs into Papa Jupe and his backwood desert mountain dwelling cannibals. Papa Jupe was a child from hell, so his father dumped him in the hills to die after bashing his head in with a tire iron. A uh, piece of advice here, if you're going to swing on your hell spawn, might I suggest you follow through the duration of the swing. Crazy little Jupe grew up, as his Paul would say, into a devil of a man. He found him a nice little alcohol-soaked sociopath to settle down with, and the pair managed to produce a litter of 3.5 savages, three boys and a girl. I say 3.5 because while their daughter Ruby is willing to eat a murdered dog, she does it with a heavy conscience. Dear Ruby has aspirations for a bigger life, a life of soap and toilets. Her swill-chugging mama, simply known as Mama, thinks Ruby is getting awfully too big for those coyote pelt bridges of hers. Jupe and Mama's three sons, Mars, Pluto, played by Michael Berryman, and Mercury, scavenge for meat in all of its tastiest forms. Meanwhile, back at the RV, the Midwesterners are in deep shit, and by the time they realize it, crazed cannibals are lighting up the night. Family consists of a recently retired racist Cleveland cop, Bob, his dim-wedded evangelical wife, Ethel, their two teenage kids, Bobby and Brenda, and their eldest daughter, Lynn, played by the legendary Dee Wallace. Her husband, Doug, and Lynn and Doug's brand new baby, Catherine. And yes, that baby will be put in peril. 
One of the two dogs, Beauty and Beast, ends up in the backwoods gumbo and the other ends up <laughs> the best character of the film. Bob, patriarch of the family, ends up crucified in a cactus and that's the most painless part of his death. From there, the movie features a lot of the hallmarks of the revenge film. Many of the plot points are objectionable, and this was and remains the point. You aren't supposed to watch Wes Craven's early work and build a personal ethic from it. You are meant to be offended, disgusted, horrified, and the end relieved when the family dog gets most of the best revenge. Michael Berryman's face sold about a million copies of this film and resulted in probably 10 times that many rentals. In my experience, that cover is scarier than anything in the film. I'm sure I'd feel a great deal different as a kid in 1977 or hell, even as myself circa 1990 when I first saw the VHS sleeve at my local mom and pop video store. But my adult eyes reveal Craven's dry, macabre sense of humor, peeking out with lines like, I'll eat the brains of your kids' kids! That line comes in the midst of a Papa Jupe monologue about how this family came out to the wilderness to shove their life in his face. Craven would later note that he did intentionally utilize class warfare elements in his script. In this way, The Hills Have Eyes exists in a great tradition of movies, more than a few of which I cover with my friend Lindsay Washburn on our most recent four-day Highway to Hell special. I think a good horror director is talking about you know the primal fears and... and uh... If you want to be honest about talking about those things, you have to get down to the nitty-gritty about fear and things people do to each other. The Hills Have Eyes is not my favorite Wes Craven film. That honor belongs to Deadly Friend, a simple, family-friendly, domestic abuse, sci-fi drama filled with half-hearted 80s splatter and cyborgs. In the same way, I get the sense that Craven didn't really want to be doing the movie the producers wanted him to with The Hills Have Eyes. Craven showcases a few of the male family members with outright contempt. When it comes to Mon Pa Jupe, there really isn't any reason for them to be cave people. At best, it serves to differentiate the Jupe clan from the Sawyers and communicate to the audience that they are truly feral people. The only character Craven really seems to have a real interest in other than the Beast is Ruby. Ruby is one of the earliest characters we meet, and until the movie totally loses interest in her plight to show us more bedlam, she is the most sympathetic character in the piece. Raised in the same environment as her three brothers and largely sheltered from the outside world, Ruby has an innate sense that there is right and wrong and that she and her family are all the way wrong. She doesn't know what to do with the feeling or how to transform her family into a loving one. And for her flirtations with normalcy, she ends up chained to a rock outside the family den. A lot of ideas concerning Ruby are introduced, but they then go largely scuttled. There, once again, is a bored craven peeking through with something slightly more meaningful to say. In the end, The Hills Have Eyes is a mighty fine exploitation drive-in classic. It looks pretty good for having a little budget and only 16 millimeters of film to work with. The performances vary from strong to just this right side of campiness, and still, you can practically hear the mind of its filmmaker begging to do something more imaginative, something more creative, something more cerebral. Lucky for him and us, just that thing was waiting back in suburban Ohio. From the horror sections made possible by my generous, supportive, friendly, odd, patrons and in particular my assistant managers and my elite patrons who help pick out this movie as well as about i guess 99 more of these horror films 
And if you can't get enough of me talking about horror films and drive-in classics of exploitation yesteryear, you're going to want to tune in to a brand new show I created called The Slashers. It's going to have its own feed. Check for it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It should be making an appearance in a neighborhood near you. That is The Slashers. You can also find that show, The Slashers, on Letterboxd. You can find it on Instagram. The show is all set, and it is scheduled to debut Monday, September 18th, 2023. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star review over there. As far as binge movies go, you never know when you might just get another review from the horror section.